My guest of the day is somebody who is a luminary in the Parsi community. It's Arzan Sam Wadia. Hey Arzan, good to see you. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Rishi. Thank you for having me over. Arzan is president of Fizana. You want to tell us what Fizana is all about? Sure. Fizana is the Federation of Zoroastrian Associations of North America. We are a coordinating body for all Zoroastrians in the United States and in Canada. We have 27 member associations and 14 small groups that collectively represent about 25,000 Zoroastrians in the North American continent and uh, you know we we represent Zoroastrians outside outward facing at various forums and also become the coordinating body amongst these 27 associations. uh and and coordinate everything from you know scholarships to welfare to you know youth affairs uh, you know interfaith uh, research and preservation education etc well i have to say this uh, we are taping this on parsi new year's day very happy new year to you arzan and to all our lovely parsi listeners may you have lots of fun <laughs> and what's your day looking like so parsi new year is is uh, you know it's actually after 10 days of the muktar prayers when we have you know where we kind of have prayers for the dear departed today is a new day uh, you know we call it navroz and we wish each other like sal mubarak you know the day generally starts with going to the fire temple with the family and then uh, you know getting together and having uh, you know amazing food at lunch time traditionally in the evenings a lot of parsis would go for parsi nataks that happen uh, you know all over the city and then again you know it's dinner outside at a restaurant or or you know back home with the family so yeah it's a day of celebration it's also a day of kind of being grateful and thankful uh, you know for everything that we have in life and you know to looking forward to another amazing year and in the days of your the nataks were really world famous i mean you had luminaries of the theater coming and regaling audiences is it still met with the same fervor so i think it you know the times that you're talking of your were like you know the times of adi marasban etc were legends yeah. and i think the parsi natak uh, then in the early 2000s uh, kind of took a slump but in the last 5 or 6 years or maybe last decade there have been a huge spurt in parsi nataks primarily driven by a whole bunch of young people who kind of got in world and with the help of the old timers who are still around and i think there are some actors who are in their 80s but still kind of you know show up and perform at these nataks so there is a revival in fact i think today there are two shows at two or three different uh, theaters and then that continues all the way to sunday and you know these parsi nataks keep on happening right through the year and so yeah there is a revival and which is good i'm really glad that it's happening Arzan, really a feather in your cap. Once in four years, the world's Rastrian Congress happens, and if I'm not mistaken, you were chair this time around. I was the co-chair. You were co-chair this time around, and it happened in New York City. Uh, let's talk about that. Really, obviously, a momentous occasion for the community. What was your motive when you set out to execute this World Congress, and did you achieve what you set out to do? So the World Congress as you said it happens once in 4 years and you know we started thinking about hosting it in 2017 this was even before the last World Congress happened which was in 2018 in Perth and we put together a bid we put it out to the global working group which is the kind of umbrella organization amongst Zoroastrians and the congress was awarded to basically to Fizana and in reality to Fizana's member association Zagni which is the Zoroastrian Association of Greater New York of which I'm a member so since 2017 of course keep in mind that you know we signed all of our contracts with the hotel and all of that when when nobody in the world had 
probably heard of the word COVID, right? But of course, COVID hit and that was a huge speed bump that we had to kind of go through. However, we had 1,200 people show up. We were pretty much sold out. We were really surprised when our early bird deadline closed in February and we expected about three, 400 people would sign up by early bird, but we had 950 people sign up. And by the end of it, we had 1,200 people and we had to pe- turn people away. It kind of reposed the faith that, you know, people want to meet in person, you know, and this is a once in a four year event. We had Zoroastrians from 16 different countries show up. We had the youngest attendee was uh, incidentally my nephew who was all of 11 months old. And we had some people who were in their 90s. You know, we could have had a lot more people. U.S. consulates were just not issuing visas for first timers. And I think we lost about 150 people who would have otherwise been there at the Congress. The Congress had many firsts. It was the first time that we had over 400 of the 1200 people who were in the young adults category, which was not happening before. Youngsters would stay away because they thought that this was something only for the older folks and they would get bored. But we catered the program and made sure that there was something for the young adults every single day, sometimes many, many more events happening each day. We also had a lot of Iranian Zarthustis, you know, people who originally came from Iran and are now settled in all parts of the world. They attended in very large numbers. The talking points and the discussions that happened at the Congress were off the moment. You know, our theme at the Congress is bridging the global Zarthusti existence. And we made sure that we included everybody and everybody felt included in the conversation, you know, that it was a safe place and whether your politics or your understanding or your belief system was diametrically opposite of the person sitting next to you, you still felt, you know, good that you could discuss discuss with them, you could understand their viewpoint, whether you agreed or not was a different matter. And I think we achieved that. I think we we definitely achieved that, uh, you know, people were happy that they came to the Congress, many first timers. And as these Rastan Congresses go, once you get one, somebody in for the first time, then they get completely hooked. And then they become, as I call, Congress junkies. Nice. So highlights of the 12th World Zoroastrian Congress. I understand that there were panel discussions, there were solo speakers, as well as uh, a fair share of entertainment. What would you call the coup de resistance, as it were? So I think we had Justice Rointon Nariman, who recently retired from the Supreme Court as our keynote speaker. And when we reached out to him, you know, he hadn't spoken at a Zoroastrian event of this magnitude probably ever, you know, because of his work and because of the position he held. And he agreed to come and his talk was truly an eye opener and more so for the Parsi and Irani Zoroastrians in India and, and, you know, about what the constitution says and where things stand. And you can hear his speech on Fezana's YouTube channel. So if you go to youtube.com and just go search for Fezana, you can hear that. We had Lord Karan Bilimoria who's a Zoroastrian in the House of Lords, you know, the founder of Cobra Beer, originally from India, now settled in the UK. He came and he gave another keynote on day three. And he spoke about, you know, the amazing challenges that he has faced in his business life and his political life and how his Zarthusti ideals kind of helped him navigate some of the most difficult times and challenges that he faced in his professional life. We also had an amazing program committee that that worked pretty much over three years in curating the program. So it wasn't as if like you just invited these speakers and they all showed up, you know, on the day of the event and then just sat and, you know, kind of winged it. You know, they went through a lot of discussions internally because we wanted to make sure that, you know, when the panel was 90 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever allocated time was there, people got their full value out of it, right? We had seen at previous congresses that many a times only the question is posed and the time is up. 
right? There is no time to get the answer. So we said, okay, let us pose these questions to the panelists, let them decide on this. And then they come up and say that these are the five things that we would like to talk about on this particular topic. So, you know, there was an amazing panel on belonging and identity, which involved, you know, Zarathustis who had married outside the faith, who had kind of, you know, chosen the religion by choice and they fit in different demographics. And they all spoke about why they did what they did, you know, how maybe the community has led them down in some ways and how the community has brought them, you know, and lifted them up in other ways. So that was really an eye opener. We had a lady from Kurdistan. Iraqi Kurdistan is where there has been a recent revival in Zoroastrianism. This happened because of a change in their legislature in 2015. And so, you know, we obviously, out of curiosity, want to know what's happening there and how Zoroastrians around the world can help. And so we invited, you know, this lady, Faiza Fuad, who came and who spoke about, you know, the grassroots efforts that she and others are leading in Iraq to kind of, you know, bring about Zoroastrianism. And while it was interesting to listen into what she has to say you know it also we also realize that you know there's a long way to go and the Zoroastrianism that necessarily we Parsis think about in India or in Pakistan or even in the United States is not necessarily what they are thinking about but the concepts are there it's a very new movement and we shall you know Congress gave them a platform to kind of you know be there and get their voice heard the youth came out in huge numbers uh, we had a very interesting panel where it was youth asking youth it was a coordinated like an audience session where questions were posed and then you know by the youth to some of the youth leaders and it kind of became very clear that the youth today are ready to take on the mantle if given the mantle uh, you know I think with most things that that are in community life you know whether it's Parsis or whether it's any other communities that I think people hang on too long and then they complain that you know the youth are not doing anything but I've always believed that you know you need to empower the youth while you yourself are around because if they they will make mistakes which is natural but if you are around, you can help correct some of those mistakes, right? If they happen. But if you wait till the end and then you just dump it all on them, maybe then there's nobody to kind of throw them a lifeline if they need to. So I think that became very clear. And we are seeing, at least in North America, we are seeing a resurgence of youth. A lot of them who come through the pipeline are from the Zoroastrian Return to Roots program, for which I'm, you know, with which I'm also involved. And that kind of becomes the incubator for me. So as president of Hezana, it's easy for me to kind of tap into a lot of these youth in who I see potential and say listen go run with the ball make the community proud show us what you do so you know we're the only organization in the world Zoroastrian organization in the world who has a chief social media officer she's a young kid used to work at Shopify and she's taken our social media store uh, you know channels and completely turned it around wow. where now any Zoroastrian business reaches out to us and says can you please feature us right and the business is in Bombay or in Nausari or in somewhere in India but they see Fezana's global reach and that is where youth are hanging out right like and in fact people tell us that Facebook is now you know only for the older folks like so we have to constantly keep on reinventing and finding ways to connect with the youth but the youth really made their presence felt uh, we also were very cognizant of the fact that you know parents come with young kids and what do you do when you have a lot of these young kids and you know either the parents have to take care of them and therefore they they cannot participate in the sessions so we actually had a parallel kids and a 
tweens track happening during the Congress. So, you know, the parents would go for their sessions, the kids and the tweens would go for theirs. And, you know, they had all sorts of fun things to do. There was an amazing immersive exhibition put together by Tashan Mistry. So, you know, where kids touch things and kind of, you know, did hands on. And so I think that inculcates in them that, you know, there is another reason for them to go to a Congress. They understand more and they're not just getting bored out of their minds listening to, you know, adults talk. So, yeah, I think we did cover all of those bases pretty well. Arzan, you did give away an award. You'd like to tell us about who you gave the award to and for what recognition? So we, at every World Zoroastrian Congress, we have what is known as the World Zarathustra Community Awards. And, you know, they are in seven different categories. The categories uh, include iconic Zoroastrians, uh, you know, Zoroastrians in the arts, in science, technology. We had youth awards. We had diversity awards. And the highest award is the iconic Zoroastrian Award. And this time, it was given to two people who were both nominated and who are legendary in their own rights within India, irrespective of the fact that they're Zoroastrians. One was Dr. Cyrus Punawala, who everybody knows, you know, from the Serum Institute of India. And the other one is Fali and his late wife, Babsi Nariman. Fali Nariman was a legal luminaire, one of the most brilliant legal minds of his generation. And uh, we were very happy that, you know, both of these gentlemen won this award. Fali and Babsi's award was picked up by his granddaughter while she was in New York, where Rointon was the keynote speaker. And uh, Dr. Saras Poonawala's award was received by Lord Cardin Bilimoria and was there to receive that on Dr. Saras Poonawala's behalf. So. Just spell Fizana for us and where people can actually reach out to you if there's an Instagram or Facebook page, if there's an email that they want to reach out to you, any Parsi who's listening to this. Sure. So you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is The Fizana, T-H-E-F-E-Z. A-N-A. And if you need to reach out to us, just email us at contact at fizana.org. And, you know, we get queries from people all over the world and we love to interact with Zoroastrians from any part of the world. F-E-Z-A-N-A, right? Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, coming to a survey that you've commissioned to SOAS, I'm very keen to know about this and I'm sure everybody who's listening to this would be keen to know eventually the findings. We're sure we'll, we'll have you back to talk about that. But the motive, again, the idea of this survey and how it was so important to get the right platform or the right research firm on board. So the survey is called the Generation Z and Beyond Survey. This came about from a conversation that three Parsi gentlemen were having one day over lunch in New York way back in I think 2017 or 18 and they were like okay we ask all of these questions right what do you like what do you not like where do you stand on this where do you stand on that but how do we know whether any of that information is credible? And honestly, we don't because never has there been a survey of this magnitude done before. So they got together and, uh, you know, I became part of the core team that kind of uh, put this project together. And we decided that it had to be done by one of the established global academic institutions. And we reached out to a couple and we finally went with SOAS. SOAS is the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London. And they have what is known as the Shapurji Palanji Institute of Zoroastrian Studies, which is currently the only Zoroastrian chair of education in the world. And we reached out to them. And then through them, we set up this Gen Z survey. Dr. Sarah Stewart, who is the co-chair of the Institute at SOAS, is the project lead on this. And a postdoc fellow, Nazneen Engineer, is actually running the day-to-day of the survey. What the survey does is it is reaching out to every Zoroastrian anywhere in the world. There is a certain criteria by which you have to qualify. So, you know, 
either one of your grandparent has to be Zoroastrian. And then depending on what boxes you check, you get a different set of questions. But very critically and very importantly, it is completely anonymous, right? We are not asking you for your name, but we're asking you demographical information, male, female, age group, etc. We are asking you for behavioral information and we are asking you for attitudinal information. And the first two, demographics and attitudinal and behavioral are pretty much facts, right? Like, I mean, even behavior, do you go to the fire temple every day or not? Yes or no, right? I mean, it's not an opinion. The hope that we get, that we are hoping to get out of this survey is that at some point we will have quantifiable data that says that, okay, for example, the Zoroastrians in New York on this particular topic voted this way, right? 70-30. And therefore, the leaders within the local community over there can then say that on the basis of this survey and the basis of what our community wants, right, we are making this decision or we are going in this direction or we're making this particular change. And, you know, of course, the biggest population of Zoroastrians is in India. So India is a big target audience for us. And the Bombay Parsi Panchayat has been supportive of this. And we are hoping to get more and more traction on this survey. We are also doing this survey in in the United States and, and Canada because Fezana has been a supporter of this for sure. And uh, we are also doing it in Iran. And the survey is completely online. You go to the website genzandbeyond.com and all you need to do is either put in an email address or a phone number, right? And you'll instantly get a link to fill out the survey. You'll get it on your WhatsApp. You only use a mobile device to fill it out. It takes about 20 minutes and most of it is multiple choice questions and you can answer them. And for older folks who are not, you know, technologically savvy or are not on devices, we are also planning to do a door-to-door survey. Nice. So it's Gen Z and Beyond, right? Yes. Gen Z and Beyond.com. Yeah, so make sure you guys go up and fill up that survey, every Parsi who's listening to this. Now, obviously, your plans for the community are not restricted to just the 12th World's Rastrian Congress rousing, even though it's got such a rousing reception. You have your eyes very keenly focused on the youth Zoroastrian Congress. When is that likely to happen? And talk about how if or is it too early for people to apply to try and get there? You know, this has been an interesting few years for Zoroastrian Congresses the world over. And, you know, keeping in mind that we had the pandemic in middle, we had the 7th World Zoroastrian Youth Congress in LA in 2019. We have the World Zoroastrian Congress in 2022. And we now have the 8th World Zoroastrian Youth Congress in London. It's happening next July. You know, London's much closer to India. So I'm sure that there will be a lot more youth from India who want to go to the Congress. Their website is 8wzyc.com. But I could be slightly mistaken. But if you Google AWZYC, you should get their website. They also have an Instagram presence. Which basically is 8th (laughs) World Zoroastrian Youth Congress. 8WZYC is what he says. Or just Google it. Continue. You know, they they are opening registration, I think, early October. And they are hoping to get 500 to 600 youth from all over the world to participate. The youth congresses are quite a different animal from these regular adult congresses. They're geared more towards the youth from 18 to 37 so there is a lot more kind of interactive you know stuff that happens so it's not so much just lectures and talks uh, you know but it's a lot of kind of brainstorming and interacting and, and you know trying to just build lifelong friendships because you know then these same people continue to keep on meeting up and you know stay connected with the community and today with stuff being online pretty much you can you know you're in everybody's face even being halfway around the world so I think that is an advantage that the youth have today so you know I have so many Parsi friends and you know that and the crisis in India remains the population. There are more people passing away than, you know, people being born. But I get the sense that there is a thriving community of Zoroastrians abroad, whereas 
in India, some of the old mindset is still prevalent. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. And to be fair, I think whatever each region decides is what they want. And even in India, the Parsi population, you know, elects its own leaders. It's at the Bombay Parsi Panchayat or at the other Anjumans in other towns and cities. You know, it is through this democratic process that people can actually, you know, say that this is the change we want or this is the change that we don't want. Sadly, it has been the case that India's loss in numbers somehow has also been the West's gain in numbers, at least over the last 30-40 years, as generations of people migrated and then continued you know, to stay on in their new lands. And so therefore you see a certain amount of revival over there. At the same time, Zoroastrians in other parts of the world don't necessarily take all of the practices and all of the set conditions that are there. And therefore, you know, we allow within a certain level of flexibility we kind of continue to thrive and flourish where I think in India, you know, there have been some kind of stumbling blocks as to this not happening. But it is, I think it is a generational change that is happening. You see it in small and big steps all over India too in the last 15, 20 years. And as I said, I think, you know, I'm no one to kind of comment on, you know, what people should do in India, especially because I don't live over here. But I mean, this is still home for me, right? My whole family is here. And even though I live in New York, so I have a vested interest over here. If the Parsis in India thrive and flourish and succeed, it's only better for the whole community worldwide, right? Because there are things that are there in India, which are not there in other parts of the Zoroastrian world, right? I mean, we don't have the community organizations, we don't have the establishments, we don't have a Ripon Club, we don't have a Gigi Badaraway Agyari. So I think those institutions, the memories of what they continue to hold on for all of us, even though we live abroad, are there. So we definitely want the Parsis in India to thrive and we want them to succeed and we want the numbers to go up because India is still the motherland, right? Iran and India still remain the motherland. Iran sadly has a very small population left and, you know, they have their own set of challenges, you know, of kind of practicing the faith within their setup. But in India, none of those challenges exist. I'm just hoping that, you know, we can somehow reverse and change that trend and the numbers in India continue to increase. Lovely. All you have to do is go search for The Fizana, F-E-Z-A-N-A. They're very active on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And also there's a thriving YouTube channel, Fizana. Please make contact with Arzan Samwadia and his excellent team. There's also an email you'd like to give that out again, please. Sure. It's contact at fizana.org. So if you want to take part in that survey, feel free to reach them and anything to do with the Zoroastrian community, they'd be happy to help. Listen, absolute pleasure and I hope to host you when you're back from New York again and tell me more vibrant stories about your community. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rishi. It's always a great pleasure to be, you know, I've been listening to you since my college days way back in the 90s. So, you know, I mean, it's a real fan moment for me to come on your show and I wish you all the best and, and thank you for giving me a platform to talk. Always. Thank you.